as believe is perhaps better for the women, but I hope you men will find it interesting. Perhaps around the, the dinner table or where all the families gathered, you might ask the question, name the best women in the Bible. Name the best women in the Bible. Of course, the Bible doesn't give us a lot of details about the different women, but some is given that will help us. We could judge them not only by their character, but also judge by the way their children turned out. But name the best mothers in the Bible. I think perhaps most people would start out with Mary. She did produce a perfect son, <laughs> which is pretty good. But even the Lord commended Mary before Jesus was born and lived his perfect life. Remember when the angel Gabriel appeared to her and he said, Now fear not, Mary, for thou hast found great favor in God's sight. Well, that says, that says good. Now, all of us would like to hear the angel tell us that we have found favor in God's sight. Another thing tells us about Mary. God chose her. She was to be that virgin that Isaiah some 700 years before said would be born and bring forth Emmanuel, meaning God with us. She went to visit, we think her cousin, Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. And while she was there, she made these words, and let me read them for us. This is in Luke 1, starting at verse 46. And Mary said, Jesus' mother, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. She has a Savior. For he hath looked upon the low estate of his handmaid. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is unto generations and generations on them that fear him. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their heart. He hath put down princes from their thrones and hath exalted them of low degree. The hungry he hath filled with good things and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath given help to Israel, his servant, that he might remember mercy as he spake unto our fathers, toward Abraham and his seed forever. And one thing we notice about these wonderful words of Mary is that it is a mosaic of Old Testament scriptures. You find every one of these lines somewhere in the Old Testament Bible. It is a composite. So the Lord, Mother Mary, uh, was well acquainted with the Bible. So that when she speaks, she just quotes scripture after scripture. That says a lot for Mary. But there's another mother that we, I think, would all commend, and that would be Hannah. Hannah was married to Elkanah. Penina was sort of her competitor because they were both married to Elkanah. Hannah didn't have any children. Penina had sons and daughters, and 
One time when they went to Shiloh to the tabernacle where Eli was a priest, she was very sore, distressed, and uh, upset, and, and she prayed to God. Her lips were moving, but her words were not being audible. She was just praying in her heart, but the lips moved. And Eli noticed that, and he thought she was drunk. He called her attention and said, why don't you quit drinking? And he said, she said, I, I'm not drinking. I'm not a drunkard. I'm not one of these vile women. I'm upset because I need a child. And she explained to Aunt Eli about what she was praying for. <clears throat> and Eli said, well, go and the Lord grant your wish. And he did. Her son's name is, of course, Samuel. Samuel is one of the best men that we can find in all of the Bible. And Hannah raised him. But in her promise to God, if he would give her a son, she said, I'd dedicate him to the Lord as a Nazarite. And so when he got just old enough to be weaned, she took him up to, the, to Shiloh, to the tabernacle, and left him there with Eli and the family. She had, during his formative years, the opportunity to teach and to train Samuel, and she must have done a great job because Samuel turned out to be such a good man. He was a prophet of God. He was the last of the 15 judges. He was the one who appointed, I mean, anointed Saul and the first king and David the second king over Israel. And when Samuel was old, Saul had been anointed. He addressed himself to the multitudes. He challenged them to name one time when he had been dishonest. And nobody could name a time. Samuel was a great man. And Hannah raised him during those formative years. Well, another mother that must have done well was Rachel. Rachel is the mother of Joseph. We know about Joseph. He turned out real well. But Rachel died in childbirth, which is giving birth to Benjamin. So we don't know for sure how long Joseph was under the care and the guidance of his mother, Rachel. Some have estimated maybe 10 or 12 years of age. We, we just can't say. Maybe even younger. But certainly it was during the formative years. He must have had a, she must have had a good impression upon Joseph. When Rachel died, we don't know if it was Belka, the handmaiden of his mother, or Leah, her sister, took over the rest of the time. When he was 17, of course, that's when he was sold into slavery by his brothers. So up until that time, he was at home and being trained. He was undergoing discipline, especially when his brothers sold him into slavery and then he was in prison. During those times, he was being disciplined by the Lord. Well, let's mention another woman in the Bible, Jochebed. She had three children. Miriam was the oldest, and then Aaron, and then we have Moses. Moses was born during the time when Pharaoh had decreed that all the Hebrew male children were to be put to death. We don't know how many Hebrew children were put to death during this time. I doubt if it was anything like we abort every year in the United States, but he was so good, and his parents didn't want him put to death, they hit him for three months. And then she made a basket for him, put him in the basket, put him in the Nile River, where they knew Pharaoh's daughter would be bathing. 
Now, this is a kind of a tangent here. I've suggested putting up our signs out here in the front. One that I saw somewhere says, don't give up. Moses was once a basket case. <laughs> well, Pharaoh's daughter counting in the basket. Miriam was nearby. She runs up to her and says, I know a woman that would, would nurse the baby. Of course, she was saying about her mother, Jochebed. The daughter was in, encouraged and said, send for her. And so when the mother came, they made an arrangement. She would take Moses, raise him up, wean him. So she was with him during that time of growing up the formative years. And we know when we turn over to Hebrews 11, 24 and 25, it says, by faith. Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the children of Pharaoh's daughter, but chose rather to share ill treatment with the children of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin in Egypt. He grew up. His mother had a great influence upon his life. We know Moses was a great man. And he learned this from his mother. Well, let's look now at some traits of mothers that we commend and they're commendable. Although we call them mothers, they all do have names. I guess the younger children, they don't even know their mother's name, they just know her as mama. Mothers learn to respond to their title because it reflects a big part of their personhood. Motherhood is more than a role, it is a life commitment. Mothers have a special job, raising children in particular, enriching lives in general. They've committed themselves to make home life something extra special. Mothers. They have a special gift of love. Paul says that when all else fails, Love still succeeds. Love is the most perfect of all virtues and binds all things together in harmony and, and oneness. Most of all, it is willing to give sacrificially. When mothers give their love, they literally pour their lives out as an investment in the happiness of their family. A special job it is to bring up a child. Bring one into this world to give life, to protect, to feed, to help, to lead, to love, to accept, to correct, to train. There is nothing like the relationship of a mother and her child. It's special. And it abides throughout life. I remember visiting a, an elderly woman in England. She was 90 years old. Lived alone. She had arthritis. Pretty bad. And she told me about it at night when she would be there and her arthritis was very bad. And she would cry out for her mother. Well, her mother had long since been gone. She was 90 herself. But she would cry out for her mother, remembering how when she was just a girl, 
and she had a problem, she had pain or she hurt, her mother would come touch her brow, soothe her pain, make her feel better. And here she still remembers that. And she still cries out for her mother when she's 90. A woman was asked if she could relive five minutes of her life with her son. What five minutes would she choose? Would she choose the five minutes when he was still an infant? Maybe would she choose the five minutes when he had graduated from high school with honors? Or having preceded her in death, would, would she choose five minutes before he died? When? Well, her answer was this. When he was a little boy, he did something wrong and I corrected him. And he sassed me. And I scolded him. And it broke his heart. He burst into tears and he ran under me sobbing and saying that he was sorry. Threw his little arms around me, around my neck and squeezed me so tightly our hearts were as one. The best five minutes of that woman's life with her son. The most special mother of all is a Christian mother. She's on the road that leads to heaven and she wants her children to go with her. She worships faithfully. Her children want to go with her to heaven. She teaches them at home. They read the scriptures and they study the scriptures together. A mother read Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan to her children. And as they finished the book, she asked them which of the characters did they think was the best. Was it Christian, the main character? Was it uh, Great Heart, or one of the other characters? Well, all the children agreed it was Christian's wife that was the best character. And she asked them, well, why? Why Christian's wife? And they answered, because when Christian started his pilgrimage to heaven, he went alone. But when Christian's wife started her pilgrimage to heaven, she took the children with her. That reminds us of Lois and Eunice, the grandmother and the mother of Timothy. Let me read a couple of verses. In 2 Timothy 1, verse 5, Paul says, Having been reminded of the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, or Eunice, and I am persuaded in thee also. Chapter 3, in verses 14, again he's reminded of the influence of Timothy's mother and grandmother. But abide thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a babe thou hast known 
the sacred writings which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. I have a little, a little parable here. And this is for mother. The young mother set her foot on the path of life. Is the way long? She asked. And her guide said, yes, and hard. And you will be old before you reach the end of it. But the end will be better than the beginning. But the young mother was happy. And she would not believe that anything could be better than these years. So she played with her children, gathered flowers for them along the way, bathed with them in the clear streams, and the sun shone on them, and life was good. And the young mother cried, Nothing will ever be lovelier than this. Then night came, and storm, and the path was dark, and the children shook with fear and cold. The mother drew them close, covered them with her mantle, and the children said, Oh, mother, we're not afraid, for you are near, and no harm can come. And the mother said, This is better than the brightness of day, for I have taught my children courage. And the morning came, and there was a hill ahead, and the children climbed and grew weary, and the mother was weary. But at all times she said to the children, a little patience, and we are there. So the children climbed, and when they reached the top, they said, we could not have done it without you, mother. And the mother, when she lay down that night, looked up at the stars and said, this is a better day than the last. For my children have learned fortitude in the face of hardness. Yesterday, I gave them courage. Today, I've given them strength. And the next day came strange clouds with darkness, which darkened the earth. Clouds of war and hate and evil. And the children groped and stumbled. And the mother said, look up. Lift your eyes to the light. And the children looked and saw above the clouds an everlasting glory. And it guided them and brought them beyond the darkness. And that night the mother said, This is the best day of all, for I have shown my children God. And the days went on and the weeks went by. And the months and the years and the mother grew old. And she was little and bent. But her children were tall and strong and walked with courage. And when the way was hard, they helped their mother. And when the way was rough, they lifted her. For she was as light as a feather. And at last, they came to a hill. And beyond the hill, they could see a shining 
road and golden gate flung wide. And the mother said, I have reached the end of my journey. And now I know that the end is better than the beginning. For my children can walk alone and their children after them. And the children said, you will always walk with us, mother, even when you have gone through the gates. And they stood and watched her as she went on alone, and the gates closed after her. And they said, we cannot see her, but she is with us still. A mother like ours is more than a memory. She is a living presence. Let me close by telling you about the church building in Northern California. It has the portraits of famous people hanging in its vestibule. There's a portrait of Socrates, another of Eleanor Roosevelt. There's a portrait of Abraham Lincoln and Gandhi and Jesus. And these words are written in beautiful gold letters over the assembled portraits. And we are all children of God. I'm sure people pass by those portraits every day and marvel at the universal brotherhood of man. There's only one problem. The universal brotherhood of man and the universal fatherhood of God is an inclusive, benevolent, politically correct, loving lie. The quote in gold letters is, is a quotation taken from the Bible, but it's not complete. It's the first part of Galatians 3.26. We are all children of God. But all the rest of the scripture says, through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. The only people who are children of God are those who through an active, obedient faith have been accepted by the Lord as his children. The very next verse says, and as many of us who were baptized into Christ did put on Christ. So it's an obedient faith that makes us children of God, not just everybody. Have you obeyed the gospel? If you've not obeyed the gospel, we would encourage you tonight to put him on, having repented of your sins, having Confess your faith in him and being buried with him in baptism. If you're subject to the gospel invitation, won't you come together to stand and sing?